Hello and welcome back to the Battle of North London podcast. This week we are going to cover the Spurs-Arsenal games. Arsenal obviously getting a one-all draw with Crystal Palace in the early kickoff, um, followed by Tottenham's one-nil defeat to Liverpool. We've also later on got um, sports journalist, football journalist Dan Levine. Um, he is unfortunately a Chelsea fan, um, but. Um, but we are we are we are vetting him properly, um, so that he will not influence any of you to switch sides. Um, but so yeah, look out for that. We'll talk transfers, talk Y word. Um, so yeah, but let's start with the early kickoff, Arsenal Palace. Um, it was a interesting performance. Uh, I don't know how to put it here because I wasn't disappointed that much badly because it's like winning one 0 Really? Well, we were winning. One or they they score a stupid goal we shouldn't have conceded, um, just just a split second and get a lucky deflection and not much you can really do. Obviously you can be a bit more focused, but it's a deflection. There's not much you can do. I still thought we would have probably gone on to win the game until VAR came along and decided to send Aubameyang off. If look, I'm not going to say it was a it was wrong to send him off because. Looking back at it, as a foul, it was probably a red card. However, probably. however, with VAR and the way it's been working, I'm surprised that it overturned it, just based off how it's, the things it's overturned so far this season. Not that it shouldn't have overturned it, because it, it was a red card, but just with the way VAR's been used, they usually stick with referee's decision. And for something that, on an off day, could have been given a yellow... Um, on an off day... No. On an off day, it could have been given a yellow. There's lots of... On a day when the referee was blind, yeah. I don't know. It looked. It, it, I think it looks a lot worse than the, the impact probably was, just because of the way his foot bent. Um, but obviously, I still think it was a red card. I just don't think. I don't think VAR's been overturning that sort of thing so far this season. That's all. I just don't think it has. Um, and we probably would have gone on to win the game had had it had it not. I think because. He's a he's a, he's our best player, and he'll he'll win games for us as he scored another goal this week. Even the getting sent off still scored. Um, as some of you may soon seen the stat, first player for Arsenal to score and get sent off in the same game since the boss Mikel Arteta. Which is um, I don't think that's something we want to keep up um, because sending offs are never good. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. He's chasing down Vardy. He's now going a few games. We don't have him for a few games. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know how... Everyone's saying how much Arsenal rely on Aubameyang, and they may be right. <laughs> he has been getting us a few wins lately. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think we can do it this without him still. Um, he wants to chase down... There's a few people. He's on 14 goals now this season. So he's 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 got a chance still to win top scorer. Um, Vardy has not scored now, I think, in two or three games. He didn't start one of them. Um, but Vardy is maybe losing it a touch. So that gives the option for someone like Aubameyang to chase him down. Um, <coughs> so, so yeah, but overall the game was just a bit of a bit... I don't know, there's not really much to say. It wasn't like we played 
horrific. Like it wasn't like we've been playing under Emery. It wasn't though how good we played. It wasn't like we played against Man United. So it was a there was a difference there, but we'll hopefully bounce back. I don't really know what there isn't really much to talk about it. It was a very frustrating game. That's that's basically what it was. Well, it was, it was quite funny to see these Arsenal fans trying to defend the Aubameyang tackle um, when it's one of the most obvious red cards you'll see ever. Um, and like, oh, well, what does it? Is it really the, the VAR's unfair? VAR's unfair to us. Like, he, he nearly breaks his ankle. Like, come on. Well, lots of the players and owner, a manager, and Aubameyang apologise and all that. So, like, he did look back on it, but you, I don't know why you're saying that because if you remember Son's tackle on Gomez when he almost killed him I don't think you were saying yeah definite red cards not comparable at all I don't think you were saying yeah definite red cards what a nonsense comparison he broke his leg basically what a nonsense comparison um, as in the, there was the massive difference is that the reason why Son, when Son was rescinded is because the Son tackle didn't actually break his leg and the leg fault breaking was just because of the impact he fell on the ground badly more more, more because of Aurea probably but that's that's why it was rescinded like, it's just it's not comparable it's not a comparable um, situation at all. Uh, okay, fine, but I'm saying like I get why people are a bit annoyed by it because VAR's there. No, I don't. It's not like I've just said. VAR hasn't really overturned that sort of thing, and and <coughs> it should be though. Uh, okay, fine, maybe, but people are talking. About, I think if, I don't know many fans that have said it definitely wasn't a red card. Um, most people have said yeah. It was. I've seen people. I've seen, I've seen people. People defending it on Twitter. It's insane. Okay, but I'm saying you're looking at a few random people on Twitter rather than everyone in general. Like, I don't really know many people that... The only people you're going to hear are the people that are going to go, it's wrong, VAR's messed up, because that's all if, you hear nowadays. If you get a follow from me on Twitter, you are you are no randomer. You are a person of, of <laughs> who is extremely relevant. So I only follow the best. Um, so if one of these people that I follow um, has decided that it wasn't a red card, then it is it is significant. Okay, but I'm but I feel like <laughs> it's more like you know what I mean. Like there are only people that are going to be criticizing VAR now. You're going to hear about no one. I don't know. No one is going to compliment VAR anymore. They got a correct decision anymore. Sure. So I might. You will maybe for one week, and then next week you're going to be going back to. VAR did a terrible job because that's everyone's inner feeling yeah. is VAR's um, not doing a great job. Like like any like 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 any other player or any other anything else, any, I will uh, praise it when it does well and, and criticize it when it does badly. I'm try to be fairly objective. Um, at least when at least when it, when it doesn't come to Tottenham, then I'm, then I'm fairly objective. <laughs> okay, but your your inner feeling right now is VAR is not doing a great job. You can't not admit that. Yeah, in VAR in, it, in its current form. Remember that caveat: VAR in its current form. Yeah, but that's just that's just trying to be like so like I'm not going to be wrong, but I'm going to sit on what? the fence here so that I can't. It's a it's a win win. No fence sitting. I can't lose. Var's doing badly, but it also I'm also on the side of it. So it's just, it's just no. I'm cheap. on the side of Var in principle. But Var right now is um, doing. And on most, most people are. And on most of its decisions, they're correct. But there's offsides of problems, and there's okay, other problems. Yeah. We had the whole Var debate another time, but it's it's principle and and, and practice. I was I was thinking of ways again this week to try and improve it. They have got a chip in the ball, right? That's one thing I wanted to make sure. I have no idea. For, for the goal line technology, I believe they've got a chip in the ball, which, which makes me confused why they don't use that for offside decisions as well to tell the exact split um, second when it gets kicked. Because that would that would I would that would be a big 
thing for me if they have a chip so they can tell as soon as someone's kicked it you don't have the exact frame that that happens and then measure it because that's the, what people have been saying is a current issue with it um yeah i, I just i can't i mean i can't bother with the var var just kills me you know like I, again i have had this debate every single week now var i mean but this one this one it shouldn't be about var because it was a clear tackle it was a clear red card sure, 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 um, sure, sure. and and it should have been rescinded because it was a clear and obvious mistake from the referee. This, this is where VAR should be used, um, and this is where it's cor- problem, a correct application of VAR. So it shouldn't be about the bit. My problem was it's not being. Used, it hasn't been used that way, so it's a bit frustrating. Not not unfair. Frustrating using... when the first time, I, one of the only times I see it actually be used that way, it's when Arsenal are involved. It's just a bit frustrating. And and I saw a thing of the Premier League table without VAR, and Arsenal are up in I think seventh. I think they're they're above Spurs, and they are they're in yeah they're up in seven. They're above Spurs and Man United. If VAR didn't exist this season, which is quite quite a interesting thing to look at. If from not saying VAR goes against really? us because it might have done the been correct all the time, but it's just in, annoying to see that, that, that it's going against Arsenal and Liverpool get it their way every single week. And yeah, of course they do. Well, talking about Liverpool though, Liverpool. They, 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 they're boring, boring Liverpool is how I'm now looking at them because <laughs> they they won another game. How boring! <laughs> oh my god, I think I would I would definitely take some of that boring, boring winning. Sometimes it's it's very uh, it's very much missed at Tottenham at the moment. Um, but yeah, we played Liverpool. We lost sadly, um, but seeing some of the response from people. Um, you wouldn't think we lost because um, it was very positive, um, which I don't know if I agree with. I just like it was. There was definitely improvements, and we seemed fairly competent defensively. In a big part to uh, Jaffet Tanganga, the Lord himself, um, with a brilliant performance on his debut against Liverpool, against some of the best strikers in the world. Sadly, I have to say. Um, but the way we played was quite like was quite exciting mm. in parts. The first half we were a bit hold dead. Up, hold up, hold um, up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Second half. You yeah, just well. said some of the best strikers in the world. Um, that includes Robert Firmino, who who you've disliked people yeah, okay. talking other about. Other than him, other than and him. And Mohamed Salah, who you've also disliked. No, I, I hate Salah, but he's a good player. And Mane's a good player. Firmino's a bit crap, but but they're still very good. And it's making a debut against them a lot. Um, Jaffa Tanganga, 20 years old. Um, phenomenal performance from him. He, he was he was tackling well. He was he was he was positioning well. His pace to be able to break forward out of the back, even that he was. I mean, it just looked like a phenomenal winning headers, blocking shots, um, an all round brilliant performance. And it's amazing to see one of our own um, just score. But the terrible, score play, but the terrible was Firmino was just too much for him and scored against him. So. I didn't say he was terrible. I said I don't like. Um, he's he's so. I mean, t- I mean, I said he was crap. So fair enough. Um, but but um, <laughs> players who aren't good score every now and then. I don't like for me. Well, look, Kane's um, on how many goals this season? <laughs> shut the hell! Shut up! Shut up, man! <laughs> <laughs> um, the most frustrating bit. As what I was my, my at the end of the game, my feeling was mostly frustration. I'll be honest. I wasn't. Um, too happy about the, the we played fairly well but the way we like Lacelso had a chance brilliant cross from Aurier which happens once a blue once in a blue moon you've got to score them when they happen um, brilliant cross sort of it's very similar to the De Bruyne to the uh, Gabriel Jesus goal I think cross I think it was for it was it was it was a Man City player um, 
But it was a beautiful cross, and Lascelles had an open goal pretty much, and he blasted it wide. I was celebrating because I thought it went in, um, and it didn't go in. Very, very sad. I thought we, we could have got a point in that. It's the very most frustrating thing. We could have got a point. We could have even won. Um, and if we, if we would have beaten them, then that would have been... Now we're nine points off. We're nine points off the top four. Nine points. You, like, the, the, oh, my God. The other player who played really well was Van Dijk. He, even though Spurs created chances, he if, if he wasn't there... But he was a brick wolf half that game. Every single time he was intercepting everything, in my opinion, from what I can see, just really? frustratingly. Yeah, he was. He just he he goes unnoticed now, like because of. I promise you, he was brilliant. He wasn't. But okay. He was. As in Liverpool weren't amazing defensively. No, as in but they weren't. They made plenty of but without Van Dijk, they would have been in a in a horrible position. I said, which which chances did he block? As in, like Marcelo missed his. Sonny missed no, no, his. No, 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 but I'm saying, ones. forgetting about the chances that they created, Spurs would have had so much more if Van Dijk wasn't just in the way every 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 time. He wasn't really in the way. It's just not I don't know. From... And we created chances. We created chances very well. From as what in, I saw, and, and just what... um, we didn't watch the game clearly. Um, I was just. It just looked to me every time Spurs went forward. Not every time. Lots of the time, Van Dijk just kept on getting in the way, and I could see it was just. It could get. It could get. How that any time and any time Van Dijk tackles anyone, we're just gonna have a little little ceremony no 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 uh, like, come on man because I don't know how much credit he deserves because he's just not very much like, he wasn't I mean he was decent but like it was he was not the, the, the stand-up, stand-up performer at all I don't know um, the second, Spurs looked better half and, Spurs uh, looked better in my opinion though and obviously you, you're going to not like this but without Kane Spurs look like they're more oh, they play more up, flowing f- attacking football without Kane no, not really I mean so the first half we played almost entirely and exclusively long balls um, to Lucas Moura uh, who's, who can beat uh, Gomez in the air but he, he's not going to beat Van Dijk uh, realistically I mean he could but in a one-off situation but this um, is what I mean like Van Dijk he's... is just going to be annoying against you that's the same as like I don't know think of any bigger massive lanky centre yeah, back yeah. if he, if he kicks up a ball and that's what he is he's no, a but that's like, no, lanky centre back that's not a thing about Van Dijk you can't make it about Van Dijk being good if the tactic was to put long balls to Van Dijk's head you're nonsense it's nonsense analysis okay right um we, anyway, <laughs> the first half we were putting long balls the whole game, long balls, and then the second half it was got bit, got better. Uh, 60, 60 something minute, uh, 60, 60 something minute, uh, Lamella and Lascelles came on, and that made us much more uh, exciting attacking, playing attacking football. Uh, Ericsson came off. Um, Ericsson also did, did this thing at the end of the game, which people are sort of reading as him saying goodbye. Um, when he was, uh, I, I think people probably read too much into it. I watched it, I didn't see much. As in, he was clapping the fans, um, and he was uh, hugging some people, handing out his shirt. It, 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 I mean, you can read it as good vibe, but also you can read it as it's, it's the end of the game. Um, and uh, Jose, in his press conference before the Middlesbrough game, has just said um, that he will be starting against Middlesbrough on Tuesday. So it clearly wasn't his last game. Um, but yeah, is he starting on? We've got another another game coming up very soon. Probably most of the same players are going to start. But uh, improvements. If, if you had to sum it up in like in like a sentence, like improvements, but still uh, disappointment. I think. Well, talking about Ericsson though, one thing that is kind of Jose made clear by his statements. It's Jose. Jose. It's Jose, Jose. I'm an expert. Made clear by his statements <laughs> is that Ericsson does not want to be there. Because or not doesn't that's, want to be that's there. Not, true. not doesn't want to be there. But he hasn't has, said that clearly. Everyone clearly knows that. He's he 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 clearly said, said that. that Ericsson's got problems. <laughs> like Ericsson yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't like it. It's not per- it's not going perfectly for him, which means that pretty much everyone that he's 
doesn't he's he which either suggests he's open to signing a new contract but he's um, definitely not signed a new contract or close to it just yet that's what those statements mean every time every, every time jose uh is asked about ericsson he says um I, I i know what his decision is he's told me what his decision is um but i'm not gonna tell you so okay um well that's probably because he's not allowed to <laughs> Yeah, not allowed to Ukulele, but if he was going to stay, then you'd, he probably would have said because um, because he he makes he made it made point about about being respectful, isn't it? It's not his, not his, it's not his decision. Well, it could to, be, to it tell could be. He'll see at the end of the year. Probably going to leave. He'll, it could be if Spurs get top four, he'll stay. If Spurs don't, he won't. No, I think he wants he wants to leave. I mean, Milan. Last week I said I said uh, we, we we're going to get twenty million for him for uh, for Ericsson. Um I'm not sure that's going to happen. Either he'll go get some some money from this window or. He will go to Milan at the end of the season. I don't think I don't think him staying at Spurs long term is, is realistic. And we've and we've already signed about three replacements already. So <laughs> we've got we've got Lascelles was signed as a replacement. Ali can basically play in a similar position. Um, and now we've got in uh, Jedson Fernandez, who's not officially completed yet, but it seems all but done. Uh, other than I mean, he's had I think apparently he's had a medical today. No, apparently uh, he's away. apparently he's set to have a medical. So as BBC reported he's not had a medical. I yet. don't know. So I'm so confused. Well, Sky about Sports said said. Sky Sports said some stuff about it. I mean, it, it looks it pretty much... It feels to me, though, it's only a matter of time, for something but... that's like... For for most of the time, when transfers are quite clear and obvious of what's going on, this is just like... Clear no and obvious. Really, <laughs> no, no one really has a clue, like, what is going on right now with these transfers going on nowadays, because uh, at one, uh, one moment, West Ham have signed him, next moment, he's at Tottenham, and I don't know... And then there's all these... Well, according to uh, Fabrizio Romano, uh, West Ham had never offered him, which I don't... I mean, who knows? It's funny. It's a bit happens. confusing I mean, It'd be me. funny Everyone if West Ham wanted him and then we wanted him. Lots of people have been, had, have been on the past few days reporting weird, different things. Um, and it's all these weird transfers now, like managers no longer have control. Like Pep Guardiola came out and said he doesn't have control of Sane anymore and what Sane's going to do, which is like... Mm-hmm confused about like I thought managers were able to just put their foot down a bit about players they want to keep around and it looked like Arteta did that a bit with his statements earlier about Xhaka saying and Aubameyang statements and it looks like Arteta's put his foot down over which players are staying or not mm. but it's, for some reason managers are not being able to do that right now the other player for Spurs though is Vertonghen because he didn't even start against Liverpool um, not saying what, he was probably he's going to leave I don't, I don't know if there's any talk about him leaving or well not. there's always there's, he's, um, he's got six months left so he yeah he well he he didn't start um, apparently he will start against Middlesbrough um, which is like so, yeah. that's when you usually so when you tell me a player's not playing the Premier League game against Liverpool and they're playing the FA Cup replay against Middlesbrough well, no, you're, no, I think I'm you're, starting to think too much. I'm starting to think I don't think he was rested for Middlesbrough <laughs> you're 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 really you're being simplifying it too much. Um, Jose made a very good point, which I start when when I saw the lineup first coming out. I was like, why is Tang- why is Tanganga starting? Um, a little bit also that that was a little bit of like he's starting youth. That's nice, um, but sort of a, those those two things at the same time. But what Jose said, what, Jose, what he said in his interview, um, which I think is fair. He said that uh, what what Tanganga offers more than Vatongan is pace, and he, when he played Sanchez and Tanganga, um, I think it very was it it, it really wasn't like uh, I'm gonna check these people out because they're not they're not good. It was a, it was for that game because you needed players who were quick. Um, it worked for most of it, other than when they scored. Um, but we, but as if you have if the Middlesbrough game when we had really really slow, uh, slow as just 
poor defense and everything looked lang everything looked slow and and just ugh. um and then you compare it to this game when you've got Tanganga coming in putting a brilliant performance in Sanchez putting a good, perform good performance in as well and as a as a back three um I think Jose's I think that that's his sort of uh um like plan for the, for the situation it's not his, his ideal, ideal ideal situation and he said this in his, no, in his, his ideal situation is top four back four, back four two CDMs no it was a back four um, with Davis as left back who can who can hold back who can stay back in an Aurier bombing four down the right um, but he, yeah as in, but this is a sort of a, a compromised uh, concession yeah, he doesn't have suit, and it sort of he doesn't have two CDMs so he's playing another centre yeah, back them, instead um, Nemanja Matic and and and, and yeah. Fellaini have, have, have their, their, their deals are holding up. So we'll, that's his ideal situation. <laughs> he wants the two not CDMs. Really, but, okay. Well, it's not like he's it's a new thing. He's had it. He always has these just two CDMs. Back, isn't it? Yeah, he does. He always plays with someone who's just sitting back protecting the defense. But two, one, not two. Okay, at least one. He doesn't have any at Spurs right now. Um, they're all terrible. Yeah, that's why he's trying to sign one. Hopefully, yeah. Which is why Gedson Fernandez is coming in. Not really, because he's he's not a CDM. Yeah, I know, which is just so confusing. <laughs> um, centre no mid, attacking centre mid, or ball playing centre mid is like the one position the Spurs have probably apparently got covered. He's similar, he's similar to Ndombele, apparently. Yeah, um, and he's gonna, he's going to be replacing Sissoko. But even so. then, even then, the players are injured. Um, even without injuries, Spurs have still got that position covered because they've got Ericsson, Ali, and no, the no, Celso no. and Winks. That's not fair and Winks to... all play um, in that position. Um, no, there's, there's no, that's just again, oversimplifying things massively. Winks is a massively different player to Ndombele, uh, as is Lacelso and, and Ericsson are more attacking. Ericsson, when Ericsson played as a part of the midfield, it was very poor. Um, like, I, you have about, you have Ndombele, uh, Sosoka, who can play sort of box to box players. Um, you have, but I don't like, think, Winks, I don't think you ball, want a box to box if you've got a CDM. He hasn't got a CDM, so he's trying to find the ideal combination. Um, and uh, to, to, to I don't know, maybe Winks, Winks, Fernandez, uh, and and Dombele maybe, or, or I don't know. I think a CDM would be ideal. If we don't get a CDM, then maybe Winks as a part. Thing of is, that, I don't think a box to box works very well. And we've got an attacking midfielder, someone playing the traditional number ten role. Well, who's 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 who's, who's the attacking midfielder? Ericsson or Ali. Ericsson's not playing, but Ali. I mean, sure, I don't really know. As in, it depends on what he wants to do. But he has variation, different, and he's a piece of one of the positions he's not sure about is his midfield, and he's he's find his ideal. I'm not a full manager myself, but it doesn't take a genius to figure <laughs> out if you're playing an attacking midfielder, you don't need a box to box midfielder as well. Someone who's joined the going to join the attack when you've got someone already there. Well, I don't. Know. I mean, he has lots of different options, and that's unless he he's wants. playing Ali up front um, until he finds. Until he finds um, his ideal options, and he then he can. And he, also, you can play a you can play in Dombele as, as box to box, and then play Ali as sort of false nine, where he played uh, in twenty seventeen. He was one of his best. It was probably his, it was his best season, and he played just just in behind Kane, uh, making dark, brilliant runs and all that. I, I think that possibly. Well, I don't I don't know what what, what he's thinking, and it's, and it's all. Uh, it's all thinking about it, it's all dealing with the realities of injuries and dealing with fitness problems and the fact that we have like one we have 11 players uh, who can play that's why it's going to be pretty much an identical squad on uh, Tuesday uh, compared to uh, the Liverpool game yeah but yeah, it's it's all um, it's all not, not ideal Tottenham well, yeah, let, well we're now coming up we've got an interview with Dan Levine we'll probably talk about transfers and that but mainly we'll talk about um 
the use of Chelsea and, and Spurs fans with the Y-word. So here it is. Welcome back to the Battle of North London podcast. We are here now for a January special um, with journalist and uh, Chelsea fan, unfortunately, Dan Levine. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, and I'd just like to thank you both for a fantastic Christmas week where you both gave Chelsea some points. So, so Christmas is a wonderful thing. <laughs> giving giving points to everyone. It's it's a, it's a wonderful time of the year. Um, it's a January transfer window. Um, there's all sorts of rumours going around. Um, do we, we, we know do we don't know what what to believe, what to what to take take seriously. Um, the one recently is Gedson Fernandez. Let's just look at that because. Um, as as if we if we believe Sky Sports, he's having a medical today. Um, he is not, at least seems seems to be set to set on joining Spurs, but Chelsea, um, if I'm correct, uh, put up a bid in for him. Um, is this a, a sort of reverse of the of the Willian situation? Uh, who knows? Possibly. Um, Chelsea seem to be keeping their their purse strings fairly tight this January, but I think uh, if if the right deal comes up, then then maybe they'll go for it. And this this could well be the right deal. We just have to really wait and see on that that front. So it isn't all, all, all gone for Chelsea, then there's still hope that, that Gedson could end up at, at Chelsea. Um, if you look at the, the areas that, that Chelsea really need backup, I think there's probably uh, left back and, uh, and centre forward. Um, so, um, you know, who knows? But, uh, you know, I, th- I, th- I think Chelsea are always fairly opportunist in these things. They'll take a decent bargain if they see one coming. Chelsea were reportedly in for, um, you're saying they needed a centre forward. They were reportedly in for Zaha. Um, Arsenal obviously have been linked with him last six months ago is anything happening with him is our ever being removed from palace uh, i think there's a lot of talk on zaha and i think a lot of it has come from zaha's side um he's clearly a player who wants to be playing somewhere else um chelsea you know seem to be calling that on that as an, an idea um but um you know it's it's just about getting bodies in at the moment um and particularly at the, the cheapest possible option so uh, you know it, a lot of it will depend on price if you had to to have a top three uh, most likely signing to happen in this window, who, who they be and why? For Chelsea, I guess. Um, yeah. I'd say, sorry, uh, for Chelsea, I'd say probably no one, no one, and no one. If I was to, to <laughs> um, alternatively, there's always the, <clears throat> there's the slim possibility that it might be one of those classic January the thirty firsts where um, just some crazy man comes up and um, um, Marino Granovsky decides to, to to get the keys to petty, petty cash out. And, uh, and send the their away. So you never quite know. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that's being linked to lots of different teams is um, Nathan Ake, um, obviously ex-Chelsea player. Um, is there Apparently there was a clause in his contract or that Chelsea have first bid or something like that. So if, if, if Arsenal Spurs were to go after him, would Chelsea get first bid? Do you know anything about that? Um, I think that... that... Uh, clause does exist. Um, I'd be quite surprised if he came Chelsea's way. Um, he's he's a really good lad and a great player, um, and you know, I was absolutely delighted when he was at Chelsea. But he's a bit lightweight for the way Chelsea play, and and the things that have been said lead me to believe he's probably not coming back to West London at the moment. Um, the, there was another t- a transfer which I saw, which is uh, a very weird one. Um, was that uh, Willian was apparently leaving? I, I saw he was linked, linked to Tottenham apparently. I, is that? Is that one uh, finally six years six years late finally going to happen? You finally going to get value on that flight you paid for. Um, <laughs> the thing the thing with William is William is he's he's having a cracking season. He's looking really really good under Frank Lampard, and it's amazing how often he looks really good just when his contract is about to be up, um, and that's that's coming soon. So, so there is a lot of chat about it. 
Um, I think Chelsea will do all they can at the moment to keep him where he is. Okay. I, I, I pray that doesn't happen. I, I do not like Willian very much. So that, that would be very disappointing if that happened. Um, I th- quickly, so, um, no, just, so just a bit, a bit of... Um, okay. So obviously we've had... There's always talks of financial fair play or whatever, but this is, this is not about financial fair play. Um, but what do you make of Chelsea's um, transfer ban being rescinded and being, Chelsea being able to spend now after six months? Does it kind of ruin... Um, putting a rule in to, to putting a uh, making a rule punishing a club and then removing it or lessening it a bit um, well it's of course not the first time that's happened a similar thing happened I think to Real Madrid um, and the the point is that everybody at Chelsea seemed to be you know, terribly full of dread and upset when the transfer ban came in but it's actually turned out to be a really really good thing for Chelsea because it's given the opportunity to play all these youngsters um, now it's gone. I'm not expecting some mass splurge on on, on buying. Um, there's been an awful lot of talk about a war chest and hundreds of millions of pounds being spent, maybe in the summer. But I, I just can't see it happening mid-season. Chelsea are a bit cuter than that these days. Um, so, you know, um, back to normal, if you like. I, I, for one, found it quite funny that the, the first time Chelsea started playing, playing youngsters was when they were they had no one else to play at all and they were sort of illegally obliged to play youngsters. I find that quite funny myself. Um, but just to move on now, a um, bit of background on us. We are, we are both Jewish um, and there's an issue which uh, is in the news every now and then with uh, surveys and, and, and data being coming out on, on Chelsea today and, and a few weeks ago on Tottenham. Um, but the issue that's always around uh, Chelsea, Tottenham, um, is the issue of uh, the Jewish support and of the and of the Y word, um, and I think we have very differing takes on this. Um, what, what is your what is your reason that what, what is your uh, what, do, what do you think should be done? What do you think is correct? To, what, do you think Spurs fans are at fault? Do you think Chelsea are at fault? Um, yeah, just just talk. talk. What, what do you think about that? Uh, should I start first of all by saying that um, you know, we're, we're all three of us here representing three London clubs, and all three London clubs have sizable Jewish support. Um, I don't think you can you can say that, that Tottenham is the Jewish club, if you like, um, any more that you can say that Chelsea and Arsenal aren't. And, you know, I know an awful lot of Jewish Chelsea fans. I know a lot of Jewish Arsenal fans. And I know lots of Jewish Tottenham fans. Um, and that's sort of London, really, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's an area with a, a very wide multicultural population. And that's how it's always been. Tottenham, of course, you know, I'm not going to do a history lesson for, for stuff you know far better than me. Um, is an area that's historically very Jewish. And I understand all the reasons why um, Tottenham have, um, for historically very, very sound reasons, adopted the name they call themselves. Um, however, um, it's 2020. Um, the world has moved on a lot. Uh, and the most recent um, sounding on this came from uh, a group of um, leaders in the Jewish community, the, the Community Security Trust, the Board of Deputies, the Jewish Leadership Council and the World Jewish Congress, who, for people who, who aren't up on this, are probably the four best-known and most representative Jewish organisations in the UK. Um, and they said, actually, we think it'd be good if Spurs stopped. Um, we get the point they've made. We get that they historically have, have done this to stand shoulder to shoulder with their Jewish brothers. Um, but the point has been made, and now it risks exacerbating anti-Semitism. So I am from the point of view that I'd like to see that word, the Y word, gone from all aspects of football. I don't want to hear it at Chelsea. I don't want to hear Arsenal fans saying it. But I also don't want to hear um, 
Tottenham fans sing it. And I think that's the position that the Jewish community as a whole, as represented by those bodies, is currently taking. So just a few things on that. Um, I'd just like to say that, that um, in terms of history, I, I, don't, I know we don't go too, too far into the sort of history uh, rabbit hole, but Spurs do have a, a, specifically historic, a specifically Jewish community. And just to simplify it, I mean, it's the fact is that the Spurs, Spurs have Jewish support sort of 30, 30 years before Chelsea start having Chelsea and, and Arsenal start having Jewish support and and there's there's a uh, and I mean just in the in 1920s for example um, I think most the, the, the saying was was I mean it's, that's not really it's not really data but the saying was that the most um, Jewish people who supported who, who followed football were Tottenham fans um, I, I think that yeah I think that has, that has to be said is that what other clubs have developed Jewish support after um, Spurs do have a, a uniquely historic uh, connection to the Jewish community, um, and I want just and another thing is that um, I, I said this to you on on, on Twitter. So I don't think that the Jewish community is is as as uh, un, un, unanimous and, and united as, as you say, and they are because um, the board De the board deputies, for example, um, they do represent a, a significant proportion of Jews, um, but the, the Jews who they do not represent or Jews who don't recognise them as a as a body are orthodox, some Orthodox Jews and some ultra Orthodox Jews um, who who don't accept them. Um, and unsurprisingly, they're the group of people who tend to use the Y word in common in common language and and and, and in, in commonplace around uh, regular society. So I, I don't think that there's a unanimous group of of people who who decide what what Jews think. Um, and if there was, then then we 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 could, we could start talking. But I don't think that um, Jews are are as uh, as as united as you, as you're saying they are on this issue. Okay, um, uh, just just one thing that the, the head of that that, that you raised um, about Tottenham having the, the the earliest Jewish support. Um, I can promise you there are three generations of Levines who've been to Stamford Bridge, um, and that goes back to the nineteen twenties. So so you don't have entirely the monopoly of that. Um, but um, I, I get what you're saying, particularly about um, the representative nature or otherwise of the board of deputies. Um, I think. Um, it is, you know, many, many people will say that the Jewish community is a, a very wide and fractured community. There is there is no one voice for it. I accept all of that. And there are all sorts of different um, beliefs and factions in it. Um, but the group of four organisations that have come out and said, you know, please knock this on the head, are as close to a representative lumpen, um, you know, face of the Jewish community as we've ever seen on any subject, really. Um, it's very, very unusual to see all those four organisations agree on anything at all, um, save for when Shabbat starts and finishes. Um, but um, they have done all this. Um, and that's why I think, you know, it's time really for, for the whole of football to start listening to the people. Because at the end of the day, um, we're all three of us talking here about this, this subject that, that links us. Um, but this subject is not one that's owned by any football club. It's one that has to be owned by the Jewish community as a whole. And so if the community says something should happen, then I, I would say that people should respect that that wish. Yeah, I understand that that, um, that, that is the position. I, I, I don't think that that is shared by lots of people that I speak to um, who don't consider it an offensive term, but I, I'll, I'll let your, your, your see on this. He has something to say. I was just wondering, because we're all coming from, you're coming from a Chelsea's fan perspective, um, obviously coming from a Spurs fan perspective but we're all Jewish, we all have that perspective in common um, but do you think Chelsea specifically is a football club? Because 
I'm not saying I'm Arsenal and Spurs and everyone else is perfect, but Chelsea definitely have a bit more of a history of racism and anti-Semitism from 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 groups of fans than than most teams in the, in this country. Do you think Chelsea have a bit more of a responsibility though than everyone else to kind of try and move that? It's because of what their Chelsea's history is, as we're talking about history here. Um, absolutely, yes, I do. Um, and you know, unfortunately, that what you say is is true. Um, Chelsea does have uh, a grave history of this sort of abuse and behaviour. Um, they're not the only club, but they have got probably more of you know more on their form sheet than any club I can think of. And particularly when it comes to anti-Semitism, um, you know, this this goes back a long time when this club. And you know, unfortunately, it remains very, very current. And you will not find anybody who has written more to out anti-Semitism at Chelsea and to stand against anti-Semitism at Chelsea than I have. Um, but it is really quite gratifying to see the work that Chelsea are doing right now to try and address this. Uh, the campaign uh, against anti-Semitism that they set up um, under the direct, um, uh, the direct influence of Roman Abramovich is unique in football. Um, it's been going two, two and a half years now. Uh, and, you know, it's a really powerful thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, a couple of years ago, um, I was taken by Chelsea to visit Auschwitz on an educational trip, along with uh, a group of staff and some fans. And, you know, it was an incredible moving day and an incredibly worthwhile thing to do. Um, I've also, you know, as part of this campaign, I've, I've witnessed um, speeches from Holocaust survivors who've spoken just incredibly movingly about this. And if you go to Stamford Bridge at the moment and you look at the front of the stadium, you'll see developing a massive mural um, which commemorates um, Holocaust um, survival people, actually, for the most part, people who, who perished in the Holocaust, um, who were footballers, um, who were sent to Auschwitz. Um, and that is all unprompted. It's something Chelsea don't have to do. And while there are definitely issues within some aspects of the fan base, I think that the club is behaving in an exemplary way, ex exemplary way at the moment to try and tackle these issues. This is one of the one of the things that I represent. I respect Chelsea, not represent. I respect Chelsea very, very a lot on this because they have been fighting it uh, very effectively and very publicly. Um, we do also have to have to think about is that the reason why why they're doing this is because of their of their history, and it's sort of it's sort of that that sort of counter, counteracts that. Um, but I, I'd like to make a point though about the the history of of the word, which I think which is important, and who, who gets to define the word. Um, the word itself, the history of the word, was I mean, it's defined by Jews and has always been um, a, a word that's used used between Jews and sort of to, sort of to use to sort of a, a synonym for comrade or, any, or anything like that. Um, so and, and and it has it was moved and and changed by people such as Otto Mosley in, in the twenties and, and fascists and racists. And my position is that I don't think that those people get to get to change the definition of the word that was decided by Jews. Um, I, I don't know what, what you think about that. Uh, I think that's a, a very very strong and powerful argument, um, and I don't disagree with it. Um, uh, my grandfather was at the Battle of Cable Street, being chased around East London by Oswald Mosley in his black shirts, who were calling him and his brothers the Y word. Um, and you know, the problem is that language is a thing that does develop. And <clears throat> I, I have a great deal of sympathy and a great deal of belief um, in this. This is our word. You know, nobody else should have it. We should, we should own it. It's a, a very similar argument 
to um, uh, the black community and the N-word, um, which you know they say this is this is a, a, a baton that's been used to beat us within the past, and we are reclaiming it. And I fully understand that. I get that. Um, but of course, in the case of the use of the football here, there's something slightly different going on because the vast majority of people who are using this word are not actually Jewish. Um, for the vast, you know, the, the, the recent um, Spurs survey on this found that I think 11% of uh, respondents, Spurs fans, were Jewish. So by my bad maths, that means about 89% weren't. Um, and, you know, for, for, for the vast majority of people singing, it's not, not their word to reclaim and not their word to use. Um, and, you know, the things you say about the Orthodox community and their usage of it, um, the Orthodox community is very, very inward looking. It's very separate from a lot of the rest of London's community. Um, and they use this in a way that's entirely within their community, between themselves. It's something they own. And at the end of the day, it's entirely their choice how they should use it. Nobody should ever tell them how they should use it. But with uh, 60,000 people in a football stadium, most of them not Jewish, being broadcast around the world to millions of people watching who don't know that history and don't understand where it comes from, it takes on different complexion for me. Well, do you think instead yeah, I think of kicking it out completely, it, it wouldn't it be better to try and teach everyone the history? Wouldn't that be a better option? Um, this, I mean, it's is a very difficult thing, and you know, we've we've all been, um, you know, part part of this campaign that Chelsea are doing is is a lot of it is about trying to teach people history, and you know, in our own lives, I'm sure all three of us have spent a lot of time trying to teach people the history of this stuff not always in the football setting either down the years um and in a football setting is a very very difficult thing to get over because what you're talking to is large groups of very very polarized people um and a lot of the debate i see particularly on twitter is is incredibly partisan you know you you will see spurs fans will have nothing at all saying it's set against spurs just as you'll see chelsea fans will have nothing at all said against chelsea um and it just becomes a, a really, really negative face-off. Um, this week, you know, in, in addition to the Spurs um, uh, uh, consultation on the Y word, this week the Chelsea Supporters Trust annual survey came out, and it was notable in there. Um, the figures were, for me, quite quite stunning. I, I tweeted about it this morning that as many as forty percent of Chelsea fans didn't think there was a problem with anti-Semitism at Chelsea. And my point on that is, are, are, they, are they all hard of hearing or are they just of the belief that, that anti-Semitism isn't problematic? I don't know. But um, the thing is, there were also comments in there made by people, Chelsea fans, I, I, I don't know whether they're reasonable people or whether they're anti-Semites or what, these people, but they're saying it won't stop at Chelsea until Spurs stop. And whether you agree with that or not, there, there is some truth in that. And that, that is the reality of the situation. I don't think that that's that's truly true. As in, as in the way the way that chronologically it went, it was Chelsea were racist. Spurs responded to that racism, um, and then uh, and, and then Spurs were, and Chelsea were still racist after. Right? There's, there's the issue of, of chronology, and it wasn't Spurs fans caused the racism, and I think Spurs fans are exacerbating the racism. I think the racism is there, and the racism um, is being is being fair enough. It's it's being uh, dealt with seriously. Um, but the the sort of response to to say that. Uh, that Spurs fans are causing or exacerbating, I think, is, is just fundamentally incorrect. I don't, I don't think anyone is, is, is blaming Spurs here. Um, I think the, the issue is that, as I say, those, those groups of the, the Jewish community say, we've heard this enough, we, we know where it comes from, it comes in originally from a bad place, but the time has moved on, 
and you know, we don't want to hear it anymore. And you know, I don't know about you. I don't. I don't know. It's not a word that I personally would ever use um, with family members, with friends. It's not something I'd ever think of using out, outside of football. And it's and it's a word I never ever hear outside of football. Um, and it's not a word I, I would use outside football either. But um, there are plenty of people who do, and I'd just rather not hear it in football, really. And I think I think an awful lot of Jewish people will say the same. I mean, I, 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 there, there was the data from the from the Spurs um, from the Spurs uh, research uh, whatever fan, fan consultation. I think it was something like thirty percent um, don't chant it, um, which doesn't doesn't necessarily mean the rest of them chant it. But I think that there are. I, I don't. I don't. Okay, it's basically disagreeing with the point is that I don't think that there's uh, consensus on on this issue. I think there is diversity of opinion. Um, and we should reflect that. And I, I don't think that we should start uh, banning words. I, I, I don't know what, what, you're, what you said, what you think should be done in terms of Spurs fans, um, but I, I don't think that we can start taking action if we, um, based on this, 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 this uh, consensus, consensus that, that doesn't exist. Um, the, the, the difficulty is that what we've got on the table now is, is a consultation of Spurs fans. And, you know, when you look at the Venn diagram, while there are unquestionably some Spurs fans who are Jewish and some Jews who are Spurs fans, there are an awful lot of Jews who are not Spurs fans and there are a lot of Spurs fans who are not Jews. So um, the, the, the real questions need to be asked of the wider Jew, Jewish community. Um, it's, it is slightly... Um, uh, assumptive, I don't know, maybe even slightly pernicious of Spurs to expect that they own this debate. Um, and I don't know how you you put out a survey of this country's 270,000 Jewish people. I, I don't know if it's even possible to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the community's debate. It's not the clubs and it's not even footballers, uh, footballs. Um, the, the thing I'd say is, and I, I, when we spoke quite quite a length on online about this you know it's it's those little episodes that that um make this interesting and make you think you know what about the holocaust survivor who in their care home in their dotage loves watching football but just doesn't want the spurs game on the tv because they don't want to hear that word now i've spoken to holocaust survivors who tell me that exactly they just because it just brings back too much for them um are they wrong i don't know um i don't think they are um, what about, for example, and I've seen this myself at White Hart Lane Station, the, um, the mothers of uh, ultra-Orthodox children um, who, you know, being having Spurs fans on the other platform, thinking they're doing entirely the right thing, pointing at them and shouting the Y word. Those mothers, I've seen them covering the faces of their children to protect them from what they feel is a very, very scary episode. Now, are they wrong? To be concerned in that situation it's those little things i think we talk an awful lot about you know big groups about football fans about this club be that club we need to really remember that there is community and there are real people involved here and at the end of the day it should be their call i think th this sort of conversation will currently as it stands with the the rules that kind of abide and the way it works is it can go on for ages because people will just keep on going and going. But I think you're right. Chelsea have a club have done a great job, I think, especially the people inside the club of trying to remove it. And Tottenham themselves as well. They've not tried to associate themselves as a club. The fans obviously will always have that association. And it's very difficult, I think, to stop football fans from having their opinions and, and feeling that at the stadium. You can't really stop that. Um, so I think this will go on for a long time. But thank you so much. 
for giving your um, opinion and view on it. Um, it's uh, quite insightful to hear this coming from a Chelsea fan, especially who obviously has interaction with probably hearing it in a negative way a lot more than everyone else. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. That's right. It's great to talk. It's it's always good to have these these debates, you know, with people who who are willing to have sensible conversations, uh, which is something that's often lacking on social media. So so, cheers for your time, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. So there we go. That was it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you can like, share, spread the podcast around, that would be great. And we'll see you next week. Come on!